Hi, and welcome to the Spiritual Armor Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Settle. I'm Devin Singleton. And we're going to be continuing our conversation on the gospel armor that's found in Ephesians chapter 6. We've already talked about the belt of truth and also the breastplate of righteousness. And now we're going to be looking at verse 15. And my translation says this, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You have the New American Standard Version, right? I do. And that says... And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Okay. The ESV says this, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And the NIV says, And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So what are we talking about? We're talking about the shoes, the footwear. And let's just think about this. A good shoe makes a major difference. You know, good shoes provide great traction. They prevent joint and body pain. They have stability. They also have function. And think about function. Think about sports. Each sport has their own unique shoe. Mm-hmm. I know I played football. You played baseball. We wear cleats, and that's to have good traction on the ground. I know uh, weightlifters and powerlifters, they wear shoes for, like, squatting and deadlifting. That way they can have a, a complete flat foot yep. while pushing down into the ground for lifting. And then you think about running shoes, you need good stability for that and traction. And then rock climbing shoes, those are special within themselves. Just mm-hmm. make sure they have traction while climbing up rocks. And each shoe is designed for a special purpose for their field or train. And then think about this as well. Shoes also come with a safety component. I know the job that I work in, because I work at a shipyard, I have to wear leather steel toe or composite toe uh, boots, and the reason I do that so if I drop something heavy on my toes, well, I don't smash them. And then also, I do a lot of hot work, so I don't want any slag. I don't want any like uh, hot, how you shards and metal and stuff going mm-hmm. into my feet. That'd be a bad day. Now, the Roman shoe or sandal was called the caliga. It was actually named after the Roman emperor Caligula. Now, these were a type of leather sandals that had uh, metal studs at the bottom of them. And they looked kind of like a thin, flimsy piece of just leather. That's mm-hmm. it. They had like little straps going around it. But they were designed to be able to walk multiple miles in because you think those guys were humping a lot of weight and they were going long distances, up to 25 miles. But they needed something that was light on their feet, but also at the same time, that light in the sense that they can actually maneuver really quickly mm-hmm. and not hurt them and break them down. Uh, but w- let's talk about these studs that they're at, that were at the bottom of the shoe. This is what's really neat. So these studs were put into the shoe to keep the soldier planted into the ground. So while they were in formation, they could hold their ground. And then when the enemy would come towards them while in formation it would actually prevent them from stepping back. And then, when they needed to move, they could actually easily push themselves forward. And it's just like a cleat today. I know for football players, that's what we do. We, we want those cleats in the ground so when the other player is pushing mm-hmm. us, they can't push us back. The Kligula was also used as a weapon. So while you were in formation, and you were able to... Uh, strike down your enemy and say he wasn't dead yet. 
Well, if you were able to walk across your enemy, what you would do is you would actually stomp on him, making sure at that point that he actually was dead. Mm-hmm. So the shoes we see is both for defense and offense. Right. Um, but the shoes are a symbol and tool for pushing forward in a fight. Pushing forward in a fight. And the design of the Caligula made it difficult to be moved backwards, like we said. And the last thing a soldier wants to do is retreat on the battlefield. Right. And these shoes were used as a way to push forward no matter what the circumstances. And what a great comparison Paul uses here for spreading the gospel. So here's two verses I want you to look at real quick. Right now, we have Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Also we have 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So right here, we see we're told to go spread the gospel. We should want to go spread the gospel. And it seems easy. But why is it so hard? Why is it? Why do we feel reluctant to do it sometimes? That's a great question. Uh, and it's interesting because a lot of people in today's world are very, very eager to spread things like a political candidate, candidate that they may support or whatever it may be, whether you're in the church or you're not. But when it comes to spreading the gospel, it it's hard to find people who are so willing to do it. Yeah. But I wanted to, before we continue, I wanted to talk about the title of this piece of armor in Ephesians 6. I find it very interesting, uh, just the words that are used to describe it. Mm-hmm. The preparation of the gospel of peace. <clears throat> well, First, what does it mean to shod your feet? Uh, we kind of talked about the purpose of shoes and the different use cases. We talked about the Roman soldier, uh, sports players. The definition of shod is to bind underneath. Okay. So this paints a picture of walking on these shoes that you're binding on your feet. You tie your, sh- your shoelaces on the top of your foot. That's you're binding the shoe and you're walking on the sole. If you don't place those shoes on your feet, though, you won't be walking as effectively as you should be able to. Think about walking outside on the hot concrete in the summer or just in general you step on rocks that can hurt the bottom of your foot oh yeah i know like i can't walk on rocks very long without wanting to cry right i have have soft tender feet i know i'm the same way (laughs) (laughs) but when you put these shoes on you'll be more focused on trying to not step on something that will harm you Mm. right because now you have something protecting the bottom of your foot that could stepping on something like that could lead to a greater risk risk of maybe someone attacking you from somewhere else or you're just not paying attention to your surroundings when you're so focused on what you're stepping on yeah so 
Wouldn't it make sense that those shoes are worn as a defense mechanism against unnecessary distractions? And in my mind, it does. And if you wear those shoes, you'll be able to be effectively prepared for anything that may come your way uh, from your peripheral vision. Rather than looking at the ground where you're stepping, you can look every which way. Right. So it kind of gives you the opportunity to focus more on your task than your surroundings. Exactly. Exactly. So when I read this verse, this preparation just means that we have to be ready to share the gospel at all times. Mm-hmm. It, any attack that comes our way, any spiritual attack, we have to be ready. We have to be ready to spread the gospel to anyone who is not a Christian. If an opportunity presents itself to us uh, to have a discussion or a Bible study with someone, we have to be ready for that study. We have to make sure we are prepared to present the truth. And if you could uh, read 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, yeah. uh, it, that helps us to understand the importance of pre- preparing ourselves with okay. the gospel. Okay. Yeah, this is what Paul says. He says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So this, again, this just shows that for a Christian to wear the gospel of peace, he must be prepared at all times to share the gospel. Right. And really, there's no exceptions. God expects his people to be ready to make this defense always. And uh, one of the things that's in that is the gospel of peace. You know, he's talking about peace in these verses. Mm -hmm. And, And someone may say, you know, following Jesus, how can that bring me peace? Well, Jesus can bring peace by you know separating you from sin, from your addiction, from the things that you struggle with in life. Mm-hmm. He can bring peace in your marriage. He can bring peace in knowing what your purpose in life is. And also he can bring peace in the sense that you don't have to fear death. Right. That's something that I think most people are afraid of is death. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's unique is the word peace, Strong's G1515, uh, is the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and content with this earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. So it's just kind of like what you talked about, shotting your feet. If I have peace, I don't have to worry about the things around me. I can just worry on the big picture in the battlefield and fighting against Satan. Right. Yeah. So here's here's a really important question. And I honestly, I think it, when we t- talk about this gospel of peace, pre- the preparation with the gospel of pre- peace, I think this is the most important question that should be asked. What is the gospel? How can you shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace if you don't know what the gospel is? Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people and most people in the world know what John chapter 3 verse 16 says. Right. Uh, and a lot of people will say that that's the gospel in a nutshell but I want to take some time to really dig in to what the gospel is according to the Bible Okay. so as a whole Christendom uh, this when we say this word Christendom we mean all people who claim to be Christians in the world so that's the, the general term we're going to use they Christendom has a major misunderstanding of what the gospel is today. Yes. 
Uh, Protestants will say that all you have to do is accept Jesus into your heart and you're saved. Uh, They'll use the thief on the cross to justify it. And I've also seen other passages of scripture used. Uh, Catholics believe baptism is necessary for salvation, but they don't necessarily believe that you have to have a true understanding of what that purpose of baptism is. They don't believe that's necessary. But I would submit that neither of these viewpoints are biblically accurate. Okay. So let's find out what is biblically accurate. And here, this is my summation of the gospel. This isn't necessarily in the Bible, although you could probably find something pretty similar. But here's my summation. God came to earth in the form of a man, which was Jesus, to die on the cross for all of humanity's sins. For man to receive the gift of eternal life, he must believe in Jesus. I agree. Can, can, I, can I add to that? Go ahead. I want to, I want to share what actually Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. Okay. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you stand. Which well, is interesting, which you stand. Same thing with, with those shoes that we're wearing, all right? We're standing in God's word, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas and by the Twelve. So, very similar to what you were just saying right there. And that was just an apostle's words what the gospel is yeah that's good and so going back to what i said so he must believe in jesus Mm -hmm. those five words it's important to understand what is entailed here with the word believe and many in the denominational world will say that well you just have to believe that some i've heard some say god exists i've heard some say that jesus is the son of god yeah it's more it's more like they're saying all you got to do is like acknowledge. Exactly. Yes. So that's not, this is not simply having a belief that God exists right? or that Jesus is the son of God. It's not, this belief is not simply that. Mm-hmm. If this were the standard for, for salvation, demons would have been saved according to James 2.19. Yeah. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. So we see it's a good thing to believe that there is one God. It's a good thing to believe that, but understand that that's not enough because the devils also believe, but they tremble. Right. It's almost it's almost like James in that chapter, James chapter 2, and cuz you know, he says a lot in that chapter faith without works is dead. Right. But he's saying you're just as bad as the demons. I mean, they are not saved. But at least they have reverence for God in the sense that they tremble and they would have fear for the Lord. But mm-hmm. if you just say that you believe in the Lord, but you don't, or you're not reverent in action, you're worse than them. Right. Yeah. So if this belief is not simply having a belief that Jesus is the Son of God or that God exists, then what is it? That's the question we have to ask. All right. Well, biblical belief is believing in Jesus and the things that he has commanded and also following up on those you have to take action there are things that the christian must do in order to show his belief in jesus first john chapter 3 verse 24 
if you if you could read this, we've got two scriptures here. Yeah, and he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him, and hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. We can only dwell in him if we keep his commandments. And then also Second John one verse six. Okay, and this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that, as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. Loving God means obeying His commandments. Right, and those at, after those verses that you read, those were just statements to add to help to help the listener understand mm-hmm. what we were reading. So we can only dwell in Him if we keep His commandments, and loving God means obeying His commandments. Right, John fourteen fifteen says the same thing. So that being said, what are God's commandments for man pertaining to salvation? So this, as you like to call it, meat and potatoes. Meat, meat and potatoes. potatoes, that's right. This is the meat and potatoes of the gospel. So first we have to understand that the apostles' commandments are the commandments of Jesus. And this is imperative because Jesus is not, his direct words are not all the way throughout the New Testament. He, the New Testament is written by Jesus through the apostles. By the Holy Spirit through the apostles. So, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Okay. Uh, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witness unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So this is right after uh, Jesus was resurrected from the dead, and he's giving the apostles commandments on what to do. Here Jesus told the apostles that they would be his witnesses on earth. In other words, they would be the ones who are giving the commandments of Jesus after he died. That means that the apostles' words in the Bible are indeed the words of Jesus. I I also want to add another scripture. You know, we had the Great Commission at the end of our Gospels. Mm -hmm. Uh, In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me and in heaven and on earth. All right? Mm-hmm. So the authority comes from Jesus right there. Right. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And verse 20 says, Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Yep. And, you know, there's a lot of people who say, uh, and maybe you've heard this argument before, I think we should just read what's in red, you know, because mm-hmm. that's what Jesus said. Yep. Well, the thing is, though, Jesus gave that authority to the apostles to share the truth. And if that's the case, guess what? We should be listening to the other things that are in the New Testament as well, that's not exactly just the right. red. Because when what they're saying, they're speaking the words of Christ as well. Exactly. That's exactly right. And that's important. Because this gives the rest of the New Testament the authority that we see Jesus speaking with while he was on earth. Mm -hmm. It's the same authority. So, let's get into the biblical plan plan of salvation. Okay. Now, Acts is a fantastic book to read. Just straight through. You read Acts, you're going to get the biblical plan of salvation over and over and over and over again. Right, conversion after conversion. Exactly. And that's why we have Acts, so we can learn how to become a Christian. So first, you have to hear the Word of God. 
Romans ten seventeen. Okay. So then faith comes cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So this hearing for us today can be accomplished by reading this scripture. Yeah. We know that Jesus has all authority. We know that the words of the New Testament are the authority of Jesus. So this is how we learn uh, what what we have to do, and this is how we gain faith. Yeah. So, and with this, I've heard a lot of people say uh, that they understand what they... I've, I've heard many people understanding what they needed to do to be saved by simply reading the Bible. I've, I've heard so many conversion stories where these people said, yeah, I just read. I yeah. just read the Bible. And I've, I've heard stories, too, of... I mean, people being in like different parts of the world mm-hmm. and they read it and they become Christians. I've also heard too that people will read their Bible and they're part of like a certain religious group and they're like, what we've been doing is wrong. Right. I, I want us, I want us to go back to what, you know, we find here. <clears throat> yeah. And this is just such a powerful tool and I, it, it hurts me truly when people say, that they don't believe this is really the word of God. Oh, yeah. So, the next thing. Uh, you have to believe what you heard. Yeah. Hebrews eleven six. Yeah, and that says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek, seek him. Right, so we saw that faith comes by hearing. So, the next thing is if you don't have that faith, you can't please God. I, I think it's I think it's important to understand, and we kind of talked about it earlier a little bit. Um, sometimes people just like to take that word faith and just insert belief, and that's it. Mm-hmm. But if you actually look up true biblical faith, it's more than just an acknowledgement and realization that God is real. It's also implying biblical trust, and then as well as biblical obedience and it's all into one right and that that same chapter hebrews chapter 11 uh a lot of people in the church like to call it the hall of faith yeah yeah and you read through this and it's by faith so and so did this by faith this faith was a working faith Mm -hmm. these people in hebrews 11 their faith it caused them to do something to show that their faith was an obedient faith. Right. It wasn't just a belief and I do nothing. It was a belief that I I believe, I trust God, and I'm going to do something. Exactly. And just two verses down from Hebrews 11, 6, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. That's just one example. This entire chapter just lists by faith, by faith, by faith. Mm-hmm. So, this faith leads to the next things we're going to discuss. Okay. So, the next is you must repent of your past sins. Yeah. Acts chapter 17, verse 30. Yeah, Acts seventeen thirty, And the times of this ignorance God winked at, or some translations say overlooked. Right. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Yeah, I I mean, that's a pretty straightforward verse, but it's not acceptable for people to claim that they don't know anymore. Right. Uh, man had to understand that he's a sinner, and he needs Jesus Christ to gain salvation. And notice I said gain, 
we cannot earn salvation. And I think in the past, the church has done a bad job of conveying this, this, uh, I don't want to say sentiment, but I feel like in the past, it's been poorly conveyed that we can't earn our salvation. These things don't earn us our salvation. We gain salvation when we do these things because it was gifted to us. Yes. I feel like you're trying to jump on my sermon. Uh, <laughs> Man. Well, I'm not preaching the same thing you are. <laughs> so this next thing is a public confession of your belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That is required. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. That that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Yeah. And also in Acts chapter 8, verse 37, with the Ethiopian eunuch and his conversion. Right. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I love Acts chapter eight because um, when you, when you when you go through the book of Acts, you get little snippets of what people have done, and then it's like when you get to Acts eight, it's like it like wraps all of it up together yep. into this one conversion story. It's it's really cool. Yeah, it really is, and that that just goes back to the comment I made earlier. You read through Acts, it all the entire book, you can learn about conver- different conversions. For, from different people from different backgrounds mm-hmm. it really is an amazing book and so I didn't spend a lot of time talking about those first four right and the reason I didn't is because most people agree right I, it's agreed among all of Christendom that you have to hear you have to believe you have to repent you have to confess but this is where a lot of people disagree with us but we're going to give scripture right that's what we do so this last thing in order to gain salvation baptism is necessary for the remission of sins and again i mentioned this is a heavy point of contention among all of christendom and there's just so many scriptures that support baptism being necessary but we're going to read three here today. Okay. Uh, and I tried to pick the ones that I've heard most people saying, this is the scripture that really helped me understand. My wife, Romans 6, she tells me all the time, that one is what made her understand how clear cut this is in the Bible. So if you could read uh, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. Yeah, and... Uh... Just kind of give you a context for Romans chapter 6. Paul has been talking about the grace of God up to this point. And now what he's going to talk about, he's going to talk about the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And, well, how do we come in contact with that death, burial, and resurrection? All right, so verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So he just talked about how we are now dead to sin. Mm-hmm. So how do we become dead to sin? Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, 
that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in a newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in, for in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield, yield ye, ye members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God, as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. I find these verses so powerful. I find it extremely convincing. Oh yeah, I agree. It starts off talking about how to die with Christ, and it continues talking about dying to sin. Mm -hmm. It's all in the same context. It's Those verses are so incredibly powerful, convincing, and it just, it, it really is amazing to me how clear this is to me. Yeah, and it shows us too that knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. I mean, when I come out of that watery grave of baptism, I'm a new man. That's My right. sin has been destroyed. I, I can't find another example like this in Scripture. Mm -hmm. And maybe you know something different, listener. But, well, I mean, we have more ver verses to show. But what other verse in the Bible do you see where someone just believed in God and they were able to reenact the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ like that? You never see that. And I want to add to that, uh, Protestants specifically believe that baptism is just an outward showing of faith. Mm -hmm. You are already saved. Going and getting baptized is just to show, hey, I really do have faith. Uh, you mentioned you can't find an example in the Bible where someone just believed and they were, they died and were raised just like Christ was. Yes. Just from belief only. Right. Well, you can't find an example where someone is already saved when they go and get baptized. You just can't. Yeah. And you can't find an example of baptism saying that, hey, this is just a formality. This is just someone showing that they really do have faith to the world. Right. <clears throat> and... There's there's two, two two things I want to say about this. I mean, this episode is not about baptism per se, right. but it's just part of what we're talking about. Um, first thing, one, Paul says, so, so we should walk in a newness of life. Mm -hmm. I mean, if if we have a newness of life after baptism, I would like to see a, a verse where it says that someone believed and then he became in a newness of life. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I might be wrong. You can show me something different, but if you're going to show us, please use Scripture. Another thing, too, this is a big one. Where in the Bible 
do you ever have anyone ask the question, do I have to be baptized to be saved? Yeah. The, the, the question is, like, just the same thing with the, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch. Here's water. What hinders me mm-hmm. from being baptized? That's right. Yeah. It really is amazing when you really dive into the Word. Mm-hmm. And we have two more scriptures that I want to read. Um, <clears throat> and like I said, there's so many scriptures to pull from throughout the New Testament. It's just so convincing. But I'll read this next one. Okay. Because you had a long, a long scripture. <laughs> it was long. First Peter chapter yeah. three verse twenty one. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but an answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this like figure is just comparing to uh, Noah and the flood. Right. Uh, the water is what saved them, but we'll focus on this verse. The answer of a good conscience toward God. Yeah. That is the important part here, right? We're talking about baptism is now what saves you, but that baptism is an answer of a good conscience toward God. This idea of baptism, both from Catholics and Protestants, is in an, it's inaccurate according to this verse. Your baptism and Catholicism could just be, well, you know you have to do it that you're just getting wet at that point. Mm-hmm. You're just putting away the filth of the flesh. Protestants, if you are getting baptized, well, you're already saved, so you already had that answer of a good conscience toward God, supposedly. But here, that answer is in baptism. Absolutely. And, and right after that as well, it says, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's going back to the death, the burial, resurrection exactly. that Paul was talking about. That's right. So Yeah. And then also... Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 37 through 38. Okay. I could read that one. Uh, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Right. And that, you know, repent and be baptized. Mm-hmm. And that's a controversial verse it right is. there. Which is it is sad. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, and I think the most controversial part of that verse is for. That word for, right before the remission of sins. Um, it's argued that that for means because of the remission of sins. But that, that's not what the Greek that's word That's not is. what the Greek word is. Ace. It's ace. Yeah. So the argument that we are really fighting against uh, is that we... Do not have a work-based salvation, which, let me be clear, we don't have a work-based salvation. Mm-hmm. We cannot earn our salvation. Right. But that's the argument that is made against baptism. But if it's a work-based salvation, or if it's not a work-based salvation, salvation uh, baptism cannot be necessary. That is what we are told when we bring this up to people in Christendom right. outside of the church. But here's the question that we would ask you. What about belief, repentance, and confession? Are those not works as well? Well, they are. We yeah. would say they are. But they're works of God that he has commanded us to do. Right. And so, if, I mean, if God is 
asking us, if he's commanding us to do something and we do those things, I mean, we're not saving ourselves at that point. We are, we are relying upon God and God's terms That's right. to save us. Yeah. And yeah. what's interesting is uh, John chapter 6, uh, Jesus even says that that faith is a work. So, I mean, in John six twenty eight, then said they unto them, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? So there you go, the works of God. Jesus answered, said unto them, This is the work of God that you believe on him whom you have sent. So That's right. believing is believing is a work as well. Yeah. And, because it's a it's God's condition. That's right. And we we talked about belief what that this believe in him really means. Mm-hmm. It's an obedient faith. <clears throat> so remember, in order to be in Christ, we have to obey his commandments. Uh, Galatians chapter 3 verse 27 shows what we have to do to be in Christ. Yeah, for as many of you have been baptized in Christ, have put on Christ. That's right. And don't forget Romans chapter 6. That is a key verse. So while it may not be what you were raised to believe, it, it can't be denied that baptism is necessary for salvation, just based on those three verses we, we read alone. So here's the final thing, though. After you're baptized, after you've had your sins washed away, you have to remain faithful unto death. And this one's also controversial mm-hmm. among uh, those who claim to be Christians. Um it's a very Calvin, uh, very popular Calvinistic doctrine that uh, once saved, always saved. Yeah, I, I even talked to people that said that pretty much even after you become a Christian and say you fall away, I mean, you're still okay. And, yeah. and for then where's the obedience to God in that? Yeah. So we've got three scriptures for this. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Okay. Fear not of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you in prison, that ye may be tried. And ye shall have tribulation ten days, but be thou faithful until death, and I will give thee a crown of life. All right. And then James chapter 1, verse 12, I'll read this one. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And then Second uh, Timothy 4, 7. This is what Paul says near the end of his life. He says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And he was confident where he was going because he's remained faithful. That's right. Yeah. And, I mean, I would submit if he was, if, if he never had the possibility of being lost or falling away, I should say, why would he say I have kept the faith? Why would he have done uh, any of the things that he did? Exactly. Yeah. Why would you? Why would you go through all of the the trials that he went through? He got stoned. He got thrown in prison so, so many times. I, yeah. I mean, he just faced so many trials. Yeah. I mean, if, if you haven't had the chance, look at Second Corinthians chapter uh, eleven, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. And just read that, and you'll be like. Wow, guy. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) He went through a lot. So that is the gospel plan of salvation that is according to the Bible. And we use scripture. We have more. If if there's any questions, please reach out to us and let us know that 
you don't you didn't hear enough you need more yeah so let's kind of go back and round this out right. and relate this all back to having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace okay so what we just talked about well that is the gospel of peace yeah right I, you have to thoroughly understand this gospel of peace and be prepared to share it at all times that's where we started being prepared at all times, regardless of what comes your way, to sh- uh, share the gospel of peace. Mm-hmm. So we have to be we have to be prepared to share it, and then we have to wear the gospel and pre- pre- preparedness, just as we prepare our feet with shoes. Nice, nice. All right, that's all I have. Do you have anything else? No. That's all I've got. All right. We want to thank you for listening to the podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at armorspiritually at gmail.com or leave a comment on the YouTube channel when you get a chance. Uh, another thing as well, maybe you've seen these floating around a little bit. We also have some uh, spiritually armored cards that we've been passing that also has a QR code on the back of them. Actually, i got one in my pocket right here. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> Always keep one on me just in case. Yep. So you might see one of these circulating around. If you do get hold of one, please pass these out and send uh, send people to the links to the podcast so they can hear more about the gospel. And we just want to encourage you as well to share the gospel when you have the, the opportunity. All right, pass that. Thank you for listening. Continue to like, subscribe, spread the gospel, and we'll see you again next time. Dun, dun. What if I told you I didn't record?